Welcome into a Thursday night quasi-emergency pod. I don't know really what you want to call it, uh, but it is a second of three episodes because I think I owe Patreons another episode tomorrow. So I'm going to be very busy. I'm going to be doing a lot of podcasting, but uh, it is just John here on the RFK Refugees Front. Uh, but I've got some guests. This is our first four-guest, four-panel uh, RFK Refugees podcast. I have no idea if the technology will hold. I don't know if... I, I don't know. I have no idea how it's going to go, but I wanted to... Go around the panel here, have everyone introduce themselves, and then get right into what I think is uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> it's a, interesting times here in the last uh, 48, 72 hours here in DC United Land. Uh, Angus, why don't you uh, say, for those of you who don't know uh, the people on this group, say who you are and sort of the group that you're representing uh, in this conversation. Yeah, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Angus Long, longtime caller, first time uh, guest. Um <laughs> I am the president and a founding member of Buzzard Point Social, uh, the newest DC United supporters group, along with supporting various other professional teams in the uh, Washington, D.C. area um, on the scene. And I'll, uh, I'll let everybody else introduce himself now. Elle, you want to go? Of course. So, hi, I'm Elle Kayabia-Gitlin. I am a member of both Buzzard Point Social and Rose Room Collective. I am also not just a fan of DC United, but of just about every other sports team around here in the area, except for the commies, for reasons that are probably pretty well known to everybody who is a DC sports fan. Uh, I am Douglas, Douglas Reyes-Sedan. I am a co-founder of Rose Room Collective, and yeah, we're out here supporting DC United and the Spirit. Uh, that's how we figure to find ourselves at. We're all about amplifying black and brown voices, non-white voices out here in these scenes. I'm going to put all the uh, the links to join uh, in the in the show notes for this. I know Angus previously mentioned, please don't pay us any money yet. We're not ready. No, uh, but we are do not. sign up. Do sign up. I think everyone, I think everyone should do that. Uh, that's, I think there's these, these are, these are groups that are actually really getting involved, getting their hands dirty. And I'll, we'll, we'll jump right into that. So if you have been paying any attention to social media in the last week, you'll know that there has been uh, a bit of a conversation around the trip to Saudi Arabia, the preseason trip for DC United. Uh, it was discussed at the time on this show and everywhere else in the universe that this was a problematic decision. Uh, there was very little positive outcomes that could come from this. It's all negative. Uh, there was no disclosure about uh, what the thought process was behind it. All the reporting was secondhand, usually through Steve Goff saying that, this is intended to be a long-term partnership. This is just the first step of many. We want to have these teams come over. We want to go back next season. And I think overall the fan base, I don't want to say universal, but nearly universal, the fan base said, this is not for us. We don't like this. There's a number of reasons we don't like this, but this just does not feel uh, in line with what we want this team to be, what it's what we've been told it is, what it's been in the past. Uh, and there was sort of a, an idea of what can we do about it. It was already done. I think a lot of people were choosing to not engage with team content. You know, these little things that you try to like, I'm going to show you guys that I, I'm not a fan of this by, you know, by talking about it on podcasts, by being online about it. But there was no organized action as of yet of saying, what do the fans really think about this, particularly the supporters who put, you know, go above and beyond, basically are on paid employees uh, of supporting the fans, supporting the team. They're, they're doing TIFO, they're doing tailgates, they're doing flags, they're doing all the things that provide the atmosphere that sells the product, both at the league level, but even locally. And there was nothing, there was nothing sort of out and about uh, on the scene about that until uh, 
a group of all of the, well, nearly all, and we'll get to that. It became all at a certain point, but uh, almost all the groups uh, that are in the Chico stand came together, put out a statement saying, this is, uh, this is not what we stand for. This is not what we were told by our GM and our coach just very recently last week, what this team is going to be about. As a result, we are going to be quiet in the stands for four games. That is commensurate with the four games you played in Saudi Arabia. That's how we feel. That's what we're going to do. Uh, and then the Screaming Eagles came out, I think, a day or two later with a similar uh, similar statement basically saying on their own that, you know, they are broadly supportive of the, of, of the stand that the whole group is taking. There's going to be money donated to causes, and they asked for, publicly asked for a meeting with the team uh, to discuss these concerns and, and, and other thoughts forward. Fast forward to yesterday, that meeting actually happened. So the reason I have these three folks on the call is because they were all there. Uh, so let's get right into it. Sort of what was the, uh, how did you, you heard about the, the, the meeting? Was that just yesterday? I think you guys got like 24 hours notice basically. Is that right? right? Yeah. So the way I found out, I was, uh, I coach rowing for Gonzaga college high school and we're out of Anacostia. And so I was biking from the Anacostia community boathouse to Lefont Plaza to hop a train home. <clears throat> and I get a call from Nelson. He's the supporters relations guy, um, at DC United, uh, out of the blue, he cold called me. And I'm like, oh, I got to pick this up. Um, and the reason I did is because I I, I want to clarify one detail real quick, and then I'll, and that helps lend into the this story. Um, so just so we're clear here, it's not like we collectively released a statement and then Screaming Eagles responded to that statement with a statement of their own. The entire process we have included all of the groups, uh, included all of the groups. The main difference being that Screaming Eagles differed on our uh, our decision to go silent. <clears throat> for for a fair, a fair reason, um, and I respect their decision, but that's actually my fault because I was coordinating all of the groups together to make sure that we put the statement out on time and coordinated. And the one thing that got lost in the shuffle from me this weekend was letting Screaming Eagles know that we were going to post at noon on Monday. That's why they were a, a day late. I'll own that. That's on me. Um, but I after that, I was in constant con uh, conversation with Jimmy. And Jimmy got a text or a call. Jimmy is the president of Screaming Eagles. Um, he got a text or a call from someone high up in the league and said, and called me afterward and said, do you guys have a meeting with ownership tonight? And I said, no, do you? And he goes, no, but somebody said, I hear you're meeting with ownership tonight. And so when Nelson called me two hours later, I was like, there's something in this. Gives me a cold call, says tomorrow, 530, that's your chance. Uh, one person to two people from the group. Uh, they'll, they'll, oh, hold on. Uh, I'll, Doug, can you fill it in? <laughs> Doug, break. Sure, sure. I can take up the baton. Um, it's very similar to how Angus was going. I got a cold call from Nelson uh, sometime Tuesday evening. I do a walk, takes a couple hours around an afternoon, five o'clock ish. And during it, I just got a random call from him saying, okay, meeting with ownership 5.30, um, short notice. And I thought, you know what? Okay, great, let's do it. And I'm in, was able to loop in a friend of mine who from the Rose Room scene who normally is not really affiliated with any DC United stuff, but this was of major interest to her. So we brought her along with as well. What were your expectations going to this meeting? Obviously, you didn't have a lot of time to plan for it. Uh, we're sort of trying to game plan publicly sort of how you were going to approach uh, what was a sort of somewhat of a surprise meeting with, you know, an owner that has been, I, I would say up and down as far as this level of, 
of engagement with fans. There have been episodic times where he's wanted to know what's going on in the supporters groups. I, I think of the time where he was approached in, in was that 2018? When the, when the stadium opens, that's 2017. The years are blending to me. Whatever the first season was in Audi Field and was sort of approached saying, there's this thing going on. Uh, it shouldn't be happening and we need it fixed. And then he uh, put a phone call and, and actually engaged on what that was. So he's not there all the time. He's there sometimes. He's here now. He's it, it, Attention has been brought. The statement that was made was obviously heard both in the league because if they found out about it first. <laughs> so there was obviously some engagement like, you need to do some damage control here locally. Uh, and then and then here, what were your expectations going to that meeting? Al, I think we were talking before we recorded. What were your expectations going in about what to expect either uh, from an outcome or just sort of what this was going to be like? So sports washing is now, let's face it, it's a known playbook, right? I think anybody who is a sports fan, and it goes beyond football, right? It actually encompasses leagues. It encompasses the globe. Has had some level of sports washing or that level of influence in their sport, right? If you are a fan and you really care, you know this. And unfortunately, anyone who has made the deal, right? They say, yep. Let's go ahead. We will we will partner with you. We will lend our credence to your efforts. Everyone knows. No one has ever, ever publicly backed down. Look for it. That was one of the things I was doing. Figuring out if anybody who had ever taken money from, say, Qatar or Dubai, right? The United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia has have any sports teams or leagues gone and publicly apologized for it? No one has. I did not expect DC United to break that trend, unfortunately. They'll apologize for doing flow sports, but they will not apologize for taking the team to Saudi Arabia. That is, that's where they draw the line. That's just how that goes. What were, so how did the conversation start? Was there, uh, obviously, I, I'm just very interested in the dynamic. Dynamic, obviously, it's a very few number of people in the meeting by by necessity. But uh, you know, what was the what? How did it start? What was the what was the first sort of talking point that you guys uh, encountered? I th- I think in terms of um, we were. I think for me, I was expecting Levin to give some sort of speech, but he kind of only gave us a couple of sentences and wanted to open the forum to us on the floor and toss whatever questions we had in mind to him, which was not quite what I expected going in. <laughs> and so there was a bit of a pause and like, all right, who's going to be the first one to cast the first stone? The first question we eventually did get that going and it really went on from there. Did he give the impression that he understood why this action was being taken? Taken? Not. No, I, I don't imagine he legitimized it and said, "I would also do this" or anything like that. But did you get the idea that he that he understood why this meeting was taking place and why fans were having a problem with it, or not really? Uh, I definitely think that. And so I think in the moment I thought less of it, and then a couple of my a uh, couple of the other Buzzard Point board members um, read my notes and and, and and all of that, and they. Uh, um, and they, they came to the conclusion because it started off, he didn't seem apologetic for it at all. Um, and I don't, I didn't expect him to be, I don't think any of us here expected him to be apologetic by any means, but I believe the way that, um, Don, uh, some of, you know, Don, um, Don Rankin, uh, brought it up. He was like, he started off saying he wasn't sorry and that 
blah, 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 blah. But by the end, he was saying things like, I just don't know how to feel about this anymore. So I think that I think we got to him a little bit, but I don't think that he necessarily understands the full consequences of his actions for going there in the first place and what that now forever ties this team to. I think one of the other things that you guys really wanted to make sure to get an understanding of was the duration of this partnership. And is this going to be, as rumored, a multi-year, a, a, a situation where teams are coming and playing at Audi Field? Did you get a, Did you walk away with an impression on, on that? Um, it's fascinating. I can't tell how much of this... They were very deliberate, deliberate sorry, in wording out that there were no plans right now, meaning just right now. That was very precise language that they used. That doesn't that doesn't stop them from having casual conversations with various parties that could be interested, and there didn't have to be anything put pen to paper yet. They could easily be having those kinds of conversations right now, whether or not, say, in a month or two, we find out, oh, we will host the Saudi team in the future, which was something they tossed out in front of us too. They tossed up the hypothetical of what if we host uh, one of the, the one of the teams they played in the preseason, Al Etifak. Um, as a hypothetical, but part of me, and I think that everybody in the room was saying the same thing, we were all kind of thinking, oh no, this man, this is probably what they want to do. To, to but, provide a little bit of clarification. maybe now trying to backtrack a little bit. Yeah, to provide a little bit of clarification, that was brought up because someone in the meeting said, well, if you, because the way it was phrased, the whole way that Jason tried to phrase this was that they were on this diplomatic mission and when he was in high school, he went to the Soviet Union because he was a good basketball player and he was able to tear down the Berlin Wall or along along the sorts of that. Um, sure. And so he wants to do the same thing with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which was great in premise, but like we never did the steps to show that that's what we were trying to do. I asked about that, but to bring it back, one of the people in the group said well, maybe if you had just started with inviting teams here so they could see how we do things here, and then maybe there's a cultural exchange down the future, then it would have worked, to which he immediately jumped on and said, oh, you guys would be okay with having teams here? Like, without skipping a beat, to which all of the round table, and I believe myself most importantly said, no, that ship has sailed. You, you cannot do that from now on. Because the way it appears and the optic appears is that it's, I believe, El, you said this yourself, it's quid pro quo at that right. point. So not to speak over you, Doug, I apologize. I wanted to get that and make that totally clear uh, that he was uh, very deliberate in, you want teams here? Let's let's do that. We could do that. We could really do that. There, and we were like, no, not in the slightest. <laughs> there's two bits I'll add to that. There was a very quick reaction when that came up so that was noticeable to us in terms of the body language the other felt element of what angus mentioned yeah he levian mentioned a story about how he went to the soviet union in his youth on some sports trip that he claims to have had a good time which then led to the transition of why he was so that led to the transition of him having a good time in saudi arabia meeting the people that he met he mentioned oh i had a great time and all that stuff and i had to say to him very directly this is because you are a straight white man and also a straight white man with money. Of course, you're going to have a great time out there. And I said, like, there are people in this room, like in the physical room that, and there are people 
in this chat right now, there are people that are going to watch this that we are not going to have a good experience like he had. It will be worse for us if we were to try to do that. He has Saudi friends, so it's it's all it's all okay. Really, in the end of it, I, I think the one thing that you know, reading the notes and sort of hearing the conversation about you know, this was actually humanitarian mission. We're not going to just go to cities or countries that we politically agree with, I think was another thing that might've been said. Uh, you know, you lose a little credibility when you take the money, I think. You lose you lose the ability to be a, a, a messenger of truth. You do you lose a little bit of that authenticity when you're doing tourism bits in the historic part of the city and doing Instagram stories about it. They weren't necessarily doing like, paid promotion paid partnership with kingdom of saudi arabia on your on your post but it's quite obvious sort of what the idea is you're having fun you're in a nice hotel you're showing all these like see it's great here you should come visit uh you know not we're not directly saying that but we're saying that i feel like the you know i I think the money part is important here and i and i want to know if that was sort of how, how much that was brought up because everyone you know the the disingenuous or the cynical take and maybe the right take is to say this team when 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 shown a whole bunch of commas they're going to take they're going to take the deal they took it with flow sports they took it with uh the crypto sponsorship that they had to get out of suit early because it wasn't working out uh they took it with this this team is not funded to the point where they can say no to anything or they can they can they can go the other direction how did he phrase the team's need of the money that came with this from the the ethical decision-making, the, the thought process that he was having. Did that, did that come up? Well, I will say that the first time I did speak up, right, and the meeting had probably been going on for a good 15, 20 minutes after he'd gone and explained this, no money exchanged hands. And then it changed to, well, we paid for some expenses. All right. And I asked him point blank. I said, listen, you sold us cheap. That's how it feels as a fan of DC United right? That my fandom, right, for the team is value, you value it that that low, that you sold it for that cheap. And Jason jumped on that. He immediately said, well, what if it had, they'd said 10 million? What if they'd said 100 million? And to go back to what Angus was saying, right? It was a very disingenuous response. But I think anyone who's read the notes, who's listened to the audio, for those of us who are present, recognize that everything Jason said was straight out of the media guide, right? He was not going to deviate from the script. He was very well prepped. Now, you know, to Douglas's point, there were times where he was flustered because, hey, this is his first time coming up against real live opposition to Mm -hmm. his choice, to this choice, right? But he did not waver. He knew what he had to say and he said it. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that like he wasn't being I don't know if he was being 100% truthful. I don't know how it lined up. I obviously none of us know how it lined up in reality, but he was very adamant that no money had exchanged hands. They covered some, we covered some was a direct quote. Um we were not paid a fe- appearance fees which contradicts previous reporting from Stephen Goff. Um, there is no plans for future engagement, which contradicts previous reporting from Stephen Goff. There are no, um, there are no business relations with the Saudis. There's no paid partnership. They did not buy a stake in the club. There will be no advertisement, which may or may not also disregard, like contradict reporting from Stephen Goff. 
Um, there is a whole article for those of you who are weird as to where I'm coming up with that, where uh, Goff wrote about outlining the entire trip to Saudi Arabia, where he does mention that they would be being paid appearance fees, which he denied in the interview in, in our meeting yesterday, um, that it was fully covered by the Saudis, which he denied in our meeting yesterday, and that there would be space to grow this partnership, which he denied in our meeting yesterday. Um, again, I can only take him for what he said, and I can only make the connections for what I can, but as with so many parts of this club over the past three, four years I've been dealing with them personally, there has been a lot of talking, and it's time to see action in that. Now, if we truly did not take any money, fantastic. Don't think that really matters, but um, if there truly are no plans to operate and engage with Saudi Arabia past this point, I would love to see that. I would love to see that never happen again. He talked and you mentioned it yourself that there are, that we should, we, he made a big deal about how we shouldn't avoid going to countries that we disagree with politically and values. And I agree with that, but that's weird to go say that and then jump to the worst one, right? It's a spectrum, (laughs) right? There's a political spectrum. Um, He brought up, the and again he brought this up as a deflection and i want to make that very clear this was him trying to deflect from saudi arabia and that topic um he brought up that members of the dc united front office had just touched down in ethiopia and were organizing some sort of partnership with their national team and the whole time i'm sitting there going okay cool you you scheduled this preseason by the way january 1st to january 10th when preseason started that's when this got planned I want to make that clear. He planned this in about 10 days, which is why there were so many problems with this trip in the first place. But the trip was planned very quickly. And so as a result, I'm sitting here going, okay, so trip gets planned by you, him. He took all the blame for this. It's his decision. And then you bring up, oh, what if we did something in this country? What if we did something in that country? And I'm sitting there going, why didn't you? Right? I, I, I'm assuming I can find something wrong with any of the governments that you're going right. to. And right. that therefore constitutes as a government that we don't align on politically. Right. I could talk, I could find that in any country you decide to go to. Why'd you go to the one that disagrees with everything that we believe? Four states in this country, even in the fact you could probably, uh, you probably, we were supposed so, to go to Florida. He made it very clear. Right. We were they supposed get, to have preseason in Palm Springs, Florida, up until this whole thing came about where he talked to somebody from somebody from his trip when he went by himself in September and saw a prize fight, the Tyson Fury fight, um, and was like, no, man, this is actually really fun. These facilities are really cool. And he talks about the facilities a bit in the meeting. Um, For those of you who aren't privy to that information, he did talk about the facilities and how the facilities were so nice. And again, I had to bite my tongue here because I really wanted to throw back in his face. Well, clearly your own facilities don't matter given the training facilities they train at every day. So why do the quietest quality of facility matter to your preseason? And and now I understand Loudon's pre, it's probably very adequate. All the people that I've talked to who work with the team have said the equipment inside is top notch and they have good stuff, but you know, it's the precedent they're setting. And I don't want to talk over people who should also be talking about this, but I just wanted to make it very clear. There, there were things said and ways to try to deflect from the conversation um, that didn't really add up when you look at the whole truth. 
Right. It, and John, your original question was, of course, hey, the club sees commas and they go for it. And like I said, the fact that they went in cheap, right? To me, that says, A, the partnership or even the, the backroom discussions have not ended. And frankly, I am very concerned that this will lead into, say, a New York City football club situation, right? Sure, maybe we're, maybe he didn't take more than just expenses, travel expenses this go around. Unfortunately, uh, I think it's a slippery slope. Yeah, the broadest takeaway I've seen in all of this is that he spoke far more kindly about Saudi Arabia as a nation than I would have ever imagined any human doing so in a way that is going to, I think, everybody that was in that meeting, talking to Jimmy, talking to Angus, talking to Al, I think we feel more affirmed about the protests going onward, about being on DC United's neck about this, because I don't see this going away anytime soon. And I think there's going to be efforts to continue to court that ownership into doing more things. They say that they don't have plans now, but I emphasize the word right now, as of February 22nd, when we're talking about this tonight, that could change tomorrow. Well, well you guys could always have your dinner with the Saudi Arabian uh, ambassador and get straight on all this, <laughs> which was offered, um, by the way. Um, um, multiple times. And multiple times. We, we, yeah. but, 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 you know, but maybe Thomas Friedman says we shouldn't do it. Oh, so, <laughs> so, so to reference what Al just mentioned, um, Levian also specifically cited having dinner with Thomas Friedman, the New York Times writer, who I'm going to avoid my opinions right here. I will just say he cited having dinner with him as one of the influencing reasons on why he wanted to do this trip as well. Yeah, he was like he his confirmation Thomas bias. Yeah. 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 Well, certainly if you go to the controversy tab on Thomas Friedman's writing style, particularly about countries uh, on the other side of the world, I think you might find some some reasons to... I don't know, uh, weight that opinion in a different way. Either way, I think that that's sort of the, I want to talk about the thing Al brought up, the thing that is most concerning, I think, to the long term. I think the trip was a bad idea. I think he now knows that it will not go unnoticed, that were this to happen again, the actions will be just the same, except for maybe louder and longer. I am, however, concerned about potential ownership stake. We've seen it already with Cutter and uh, Monumental Sports. There are... The reason sports washing and all this stuff works is because there is a large amount of capital uh, in, in some of these countries uh, due to sort of just the dynamics of how their how their economies are structured, their, their petrostates, they're able to uh, accumulate large amounts of money. And right now we are in a high interest rate environment. Clubs and, and, and investors and rich people are no longer taking the reckless gambles with, with, with capital that they took when it was 0%. Uh, and this club has been run in a way that they have spent more money. It is unavoidably you can't you can't say that doesn't happen. You can look at since the stadium was built, you have the you know asterisk next to it or not uh, training facility in Loudon. You have efforts to build efforts to build an MLS Next Pro franchise in Baltimore. You have more you have more spending on the roster. It is certainly different and and noticeably by a factor than it was at RFK, but. The larger scheme thought about how Levian, Kaplan, and the rest of ownership look at this this club is that it's not just the club, it's not just MLS. It is it's a it's a, there's a broader there's a broader universe in which they can find increased revenue in, in other ways either. And Angus, I know you've talked about this before. I want to make sure I want you to check my 
perception on this too. The the widespread fan assumption is that this is this is property based. The reason why this team is eighth most valued in in, in MLS and eight hundred million dollars, whatever the number is, is a lot to do about the land that it sits on, the land that the ownership has authoritative rights to to build around said stadium, and it's and it's it's about that. The way that this the way that this ownership is structured, the way that that is is sort of looked at, I look at. Boy, I would love capital infusion if I were if I were him. I would say I, I, I'll, I'll dilute my shares. I mean, yeah, Yo Gotti and Mark Ingram did not dilute my shares when they came in at van, vanity ownership. That we get, I don't know what happened there, how much money was changed in, but no, no dilution at all on ownership. But I would, if I'm him, I'm looking at a Saudi investment fund, uh, the PIF, and say, hey, uh, what what would it take to to get you into a, a shiny new team here? Uh, in Washington D.C. with a brand new stadium. What are your thoughts about that in general, Angus? Please too. Also check me on the on the on the property. Yeah. So yeah, just to quickly check off on that. Yeah, most of the state, most of the team's value does reside in their property. That's been well reported, um, and that's I know why a lot of people think that D.C. United is just a soccer team fronting as a real estate development. Um, I don't truly believe in that conspiracy theory entirely. I do genuinely think that ownership does want to build a winner. I just think, and this is what's going to tie into that ownership is naive. Um, I think that what mainly the way that uh, Levian came across last night was naive. Um, I think that he totally did not understand, engage the uh, fallout of the team going to Saudi Arabia. I think he totally does not understand the importance politically of a team in Washington, D.C. I think that he does not understand necessarily the um the consequences of starting and engaging with uh, a firm as massive as the pif um not to say that he has we don't know because he wouldn't tell us um all he would say is that it's it's not we didn't take any money and there are no future plans as of right now um but i think that one thing that he did come across of last night. And I think all of us can agree with that is that he's naive. Um, you know, granted we, as, uh, we as supporters have been down this road before. So we're not new. This isn't our first rodeo when it comes to being led on by someone, but it definitely feels like this is his. Um, I think Doug, you pointed this out last night. He's getting wined and dined hard, uh, by these guys. And I don't think he realizes why, I think he's just like, oh, I'm so happy someone's it, noticed me, right? It, yeah, it had to be. It was pointed out in front of him in the meeting, and I'm still not sure that he fully grasped it. We were just having to make the point of the reason they're probably interested in you is because you are just a couple miles away down from Capitol Hill. They see this club as an opportunity to gain some real political influence and add to their sports watching portfolio of other soccer teams and other sports industries that they're already involved in, they see this as a means of gaining some influence across the DC area. And especially with Capitol Hill over there, it felt very obvious to us. He did not, at least per his claim, did not seem to fully grasp that. I I walk a line between, I can't tell how much of this is naivete, how much of this is lying through his teeth. Might be a mix of both, but there is a lot going on there in that brain of, of his. I think, I think, too, the struggle is when you're an Arthur Blank or a Haslam or a, a group that has a – you're a billionaire. 
uh, and these groups come to you and they say, we have a lot of money too. And you say, well, that's nice. I also have a lot of money. I'm not really super concerned about what you can do for me because I can do it all for myself. Uh, ownership for DC United is not in that strata mm-hmm. uh, as the, as we're, I don't want to say we're mom and pop, but if you compare sort of the net worth of our ownership group, Steve Kaplan, I think has a little bit more money. Um, but overall we're not, we're not those, we're not. Arthur I think Blank. the last we're time those, we're not, the group. last time we were able to find a valuation of our owners. And I did this during with before pandemic numbers. So keep this, keep that in mind. If you Google the net worth of DC United's owners and do a little bit of digging, you'll find some Swansea ownership stuff. And that's where it comes from. Of our owners being worth about $600 million, um, which to put into perspective, percentage-wise, I think I did this math at one point to argue as to why we don't invest as much as in Atlanta United, for example. Like the contract percentages of an uh, of a, of a entry-level homegrown deal uh, is like the comparison, like an $100,000 contract is like the equivalent of a $500,000, $800,000 contract at Atlanta United, where their owner is worth 15 times more than our owners. Um, And again, I think that that falls into the naivety kind of thing. I kind of wish I was rich enough not to care and to not be worried about myself, right? Because that's where it comes down to. Um, I I think that he can uh, lose focus of what he represents and who he represents by by proxy. like as Doug said, you could see the capital from the top of the supporter section at DC United. And, um, well, I'm sure the PIF saw Qatar buy into Monumental and saw how there was little to no backlash there because nobody cares. Uh, it's hockey. They got their own problems. Um, and it's basketball. No one cares about the Wizards, sadly. Uh, I do, too. It's just I'm... <laughs> Let's be. Let's call a spade a spade. When you're when you're that when you're that shit. Like, yes. I can go to the game on Sunday for a dollar. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> the the lament of the DC sports right. fan. Right. <laughs> uh, so it's like you you bring in that small percentage that's totally not financing the brand new stadium. His side of the brand new stadium. That's not going to happen anymore. Haha. Um, and now. Somebody else who wants some political firepower in the DMV goes, oh, that clearly went very well for them. What about us? Why not us? And to it, it, and the thing that rattles in my mind is how many stakeholders across this region would be affected by a possible, like my fear is that they get a stake in the club and who knows how far that could go. That could end up with them fully owning the club for all we know down the line, which is my ultimate terror in all of this. But, and then the amount of stakeholders that would be impacted would be pretty tremendous across this region, supporters, staff members, people like across the DC area. Hell, there are some friends of mine joking in the, in the Rose Room channels about, well, will women be allowed to go to DC United games? Will the spirit be allowed to play at Audi after this? How do the Saudis handle a, a, a female owner? Stuff like that was tossed around as a theoretical. But it's the kind of shit you kind of have to think about in all of this, like that far down the line. I, for sure. I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm respectful of your guys' time. I really do appreciate you taking the time out uh, on, a, on a Thursday night to talk about this. Um, I, I want to just focus on one sort of thing that, makes this different than the wizards and makes it different than the caps and makes it different 
the cool thing, I think, from our standpoint, and the reason why I do a podcast about this, the reason why you all do what you do, is that this club has a community base around it. There, It's not just a thing that you watch and go to and then go do something else. There's a thing about soccer and about this club in particular in the region where it is a part of your identity. It's a part of the way you spend your time. It's a way that you structure your friendships and and, and sort of network. It's like the way it's just a different experience. You're not a consumer necessarily. You feel that you are a part of it. You are not necessarily a co-equal part sometimes. Sometimes you feel less co-equal, but you're a part of it. And I think only because that dynamic exists can you get a group to coordinate amongst other groups, fans, communicate and understand how collective action is the only way that you're going to actually address and redress any of your concerns. Only this, only soccer, only DC United here in, in this city could have got the owner to sit down, regardless of what he actually decided to do or said he would do or promised to do or didn't promise to do. The meeting wouldn't have happened for any other group. It would have happened, like, theoretically, I think, like, maybe, like, the Diamond Club members at the Nationals maybe got to, would get to sit down with Mark Lerner if they had a problem. Maybe. And at, like, the, the very high end. But you guys aren't that. You're just... You are representatives of the of the most enthusiastic sport of the club. What do you think? Just I just want you to like react to that. Like, how valuable is it to be a fan of DC United and and have a voice that maybe other fan bases don't have? And uh, just how how different it is to be a DC United fan that that's involved in cares versus any of the other concerns that we talked about. So I am a Nats season ticket holder as well as a Spirit season ticket holder. And I can definitely tell you, and I will use the example of the Oakland A's, who, for those who are not in the know, are being shipped off to Las Vegas. And of course, the very loyal fan base do not want that to happen. But at the same time, they don't want their tax dollars going towards a very shiny new stadium, right? That the owner can pay for on his own. What was great was Oakland A's fans reaching out and Nats fans reaching out to the Oakland A's fans saying, hey, we're hosting you for three games. We will use our points and buy you folks tickets, right? We will pass out flyers explaining this. We will do bulk orders of sell shirts for folks to wear. And it was seeing that in baseball, which is not something that happens, if at all, right? But it was fantastic to see. And then contrasting that with what has just happened, right? Seeing how quickly the supporters groups came together, how united they were, right? And the front that we presented, right, at the meeting yesterday was very, very united. I don't think anyone who was there from a supporters group had, you know, was was differed in their opinions, right? We're all on the same page. I think that was it one was, of the most... Sorry. No, I, and I, I was going to say, like, I think for those of you who have been going to these meetings far longer than I have, apparently that's a surprising thing. <laughs> I was going to say, this is in 2001. It's very this isn't This isn't where people... I remember call-outs of those meetings uh, pre, like in the RFK days. I, I went to a couple in the RFK days. And people, there was no strategy. There was no conversation ahead of time. People would ask wildly uh, unrelated questions. They would make the group on the whole seem on serious by those questions. And I, from the outside, looked at what all of you did and how seriously you took it. And with, you know, 
organizing principles and, and messaging principles and figuring out who to seed the seed the the conversation with ahead of time so that when it came out people were talking about it already and they already were familiar with it it's a different it's a, it is not 2001 anymore in the DC w- United supporter group era. I will say this I think that DC United made their worst enemy in that um, the outreach and I will commend the outreach that and I think this is really funny because apart from one individual in the organization who has now apparently been given the office space treatment, I saw that reference on a sickos committee, Doug. Um, uh, Jason has surprisingly surrounded himself with smart people, which is crazy. Um, and those smart people are people like Danita Johnson, um, Ali McKay, and Troy Lassane. But most importantly for us as supporters, it's Nelson Fuentes. Um, now I don't want to put him on blast because I know that he likes to stay a little bit further back, but the work that he and his team and by, and this is made very clear in the meeting by extent, Danita, uh, has been very good in mending the relationship between supporters and the front office, but most importantly, in my opinion, mending the relationship between the supporters groups internally. Um, I think that. They mistimed their trip to Saudi Arabia. If they were ever going to take one, they should have taken it three years ago when we all hated each other's day. Um, They decided to take it the one year where we had the possibility to actually come together and produce something unified on this. And we did. Um, And I can't thank people like Doug and Elle and everyone else who was in that meeting who I don't necessarily want to name because I don't know if they want their name to be out there or not um, for coordinating and coming together on all of this. Uh, now, with that being said, um, the community outreach has been fantastic from a non-supporter side of it, too. Um, I think that the educated city that is Washington, D.C. knows very well when they see some bullshit. Um, that, that we, we all got good bullshit meters We're when it came to this. And so the overwhelming support from the community at large has been huge. Um, and now I want to address one part that I keep seeing is that protesting doesn't work. Uh, being silent won't accomplish anything. It's just playing into their hands. We're not going to be silent. I think that there's a fine line that we're walking here. We will not be organizing chants and we will not be bringing drums and we will not be bringing banners that we usually bring to the stadium. That does not mean we will not be in the stadium handing out leaflets. We will not be creating banners against the, the regime. Um, uh, we will not be doing things to make sure that this never happens again, or at least is vocally present that we dislike what happened. Um, we have announced four games of silence uh, where we will not be doing that. And my preposition at this point is that we do our four games and then we get loud about it, right? It's very clear that this is not going away. Um, Jim Enzor, one of the 202 Unique members, had a very powerful slogan attached to this. Um, from his time growing up, uh, which was silence equals death. And I think that in this situation, especially that is relevant because being silent on this topic equals death. We will have admitted defeat if we are not vocally against the regime in this situation. Um, And that's only possible with a community that we have developed. And that's only possible with the teamwork we have been able to do to get to this point in the first place. I think that's well said. I, I, I wanted to make sure we had this conversation so that other people who aren't on, you know, discord or Twitter or whatever else <clears throat> don't even know this meeting ha- occurred 
uh, and only maybe and maybe see the that the protest is happening, or maybe they get to the stadium on Saturday and they're like, "What the hell? What's going on?" And they still don't know. Which I will tell you will be forty to fifty percent of the fans that are there. I, I remember going to a game a couple years ago, multiple years after Bill Hamid was gone, and I was sitting, and someone said, "Where's Bill Hamid?" And it had been three years, and I was like, "All right, well, see, you don't know." who you're sitting next to. Everyone is not as online as you are. You have to understand that. So I think that I wanted to make sure I had all of you on so that a little bit of maybe potentially people who wouldn't otherwise hear about it, understand that where this started with the seed of how it started and how quickly it got to the point where you're sitting in the room with the decision maker and making sure that he understands, even if it happens again, and even if whatever else, you know, for sure, you're, perspective and your stance and why you feel that way is understood and it cannot be said that it isn't no matter what if they do it again they know they will be doing it against the stated wishes of all the people that were in that room and that matters that's important i think it was very impressive to see that this has probably been the most concise and i I will just say the word united effort i have seen all these supporter groups come together on because i obviously i think a lot of people that are even listening to this show knows that we just went over the there's been some fraught history between everybody um but this was the one far and away where i've seen everybody composed disciplined was ready to come out with the exact questions we needed to ask jason levian on and everybody stuck to the task nobody deviated from what we wanted to get out of that and i think our resolve has gotten stronger since that meeting and like i said earlier we're going to be staying on our toes through all of this through these protests and afterwards yeah, I was going to mention no. that it reinvigorated a lot of people who may or may not have been kind of done with the scene in general for various reasons. But I, I know for a fact that this coming together has reinvigorated people. Now, I also understand that us going silent for four games, some deem is not enough. I understand that us being in the stadium in general is being deemed not enough. And we need to be boycotting with our dollars and all of that. I will argue against that thoroughly because we have done that before in the past. We have gone fishing every year since I've been involved in this section. At one point or another, we say, ah, we're done with this. And then we quit for a game and a half. And then we realize nothing's going to change. And we end up coming back because something or other happens. And we, you know, this time around, and we noticed this, I think started last year, Doug and I, showed up to the stadium with a Casper out banner one that turned into five and that turned into Allie McKay. At least that's how it presented to us. And that was like three games worth of stuff. So now that proved to us that if there is anything that this ownership doesn't like, it's being made a fool in public. It's having their name dragged. What happened this time around? We come out with a group statement. That's awesome. That goes nowhere if it wasn't for people like Pablo Maurer and Stephen Goff reaching out for comment, one, and two, actually publishing stories because that gets it into the mainstream. And then that reaches to NBC Sports Washington. And then that gets on the evening news. And then that gets on mainline channels. And then that explodes. And that wouldn't have happened without the coordination and correlation of all the groups together. And I mean that all the groups together. That's not... Screaming Eagles coming out two days later with a statement. That's not Labanda not being a formally recognized group. That is all of the groups saying, hey, this is this is messed up. Let's get to it. Um, and so by that, that's how you get change to happen with this team. That's what we've learned. 
Now, if they want to do that, if they want to play the game of make as much noise and we won't care, that's fine. Then we will start to, then, then we'll just change. We'll pivot. It's, we're doing what's working now and we're happy it's working now because very clearly it's affecting change. Now it's time for them to show us that they have heard our displeasure and it's time for them to act on that. And their actions over the next six months to a year will show us exactly where they stand and exactly what they understood when it came to talking with us as supporters. And we hope that for all of you out there listening, we are doing a good job in upholding your own uh, your own voice in this because we understand we are in, our, in and of itself privileged enough to have the opportunity and the floor and be in the position to talk with someone who is otherwise unattainable for 99% of your listeners. Uh, and so as a result, I hope the feedback that you all provided to us when we came out with this um, has been noted and we want to hear more from you. Please do reach out, do get involved, do volunteer. That's what we need. I wanted to, one final little uh, addendum to that. Uh, you mentioned sort of that you're representing or hoping to try, trying to represent the voice of the supporters who are both here and, and not able to be here and busy and whatever else it is. There are also supporters that will not agree with this in general don't 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 think it were that people think we're making a big deal about this and who really cares and it's not actually a big deal and what i'll say to that is okay that's fine that is certainly your belief and and, and something you can hold but the noise in the stadium is an ode to you so if you don't agree you can't impose you, you can't demand sound you can't demand action of other people just because it, it, it would be better for you it makes your experience better I, you know, we talked about, we talked about this on Discord all the time. We talk about like, you, you know, you're not owed anything as a fan, as a, as a, as a fan who just pays his money to go to the game, you know, you're owed to watch the game. That's it. Whatever, whatever ambiance or whatever visuals or whatever sound that is blood, sweat and tears and created and passion and is done by people who choose to. And it's not just the thing you get for coming to the game. So I know that there are people who don't agree with anything about this and are mad that you guys are, are are taking a stand and that it'll be quieter than usual and there'll be no drums, you know, tough shit. Uh, do your own protest, uh, whatever that looks like to, on the other end of it. But I, I just want to call out to the fact that uh, it's not owed. Uh, and all of the work and passion and sweat and, and you know, all the stuff that the effort that you bring forward is because you want to do it and, and it's for your own reasons. And I just you're not it's it's not owed anybody guys so don't it's, get mad at them and if anything don't, don't, silence don't within the stadium We've, tells people that there's something wrong right yeah, yeah. one single um, support the team not the regime chant will not turn enough heads if they go where's where are the drums and then they are like what they're do and then they see a banner that says support the team not the regime they might connect the dots but if we're yeah. in there handing out leaflets with our statement, if we have signs with our statement up, it's being active in the silence that is different this time than previous times. So, yes, your favorite thing is not around for the first four games. I apologize for that. Right? If you believe uh, that the team should be supported and the first team should be supported, we agree on that. We agree that the first team should be supported. This is not a first team issue. This is not a investment issue from a squad perspective this is not a player acquisition issue this is an overall ownership issue that's what this is and if you would like to support the team and you would like to get out there more power to you but i want to, people to understand why 
we have chosen to take a little bit of a break. And if you want to make a huge statement to the team, support us for these four games and then drive up the road to City Field on April 20th for the away game against NYCFC. Show us on show the first team on the road that you supported them all these past four games by getting out there and showing them that you care about them and you're willing to drive that far to support them, right? That's what I would suggest doing. I would suggest supporting us for four games. I know it's all the way to April and late April at that. That's just how the schedule works. I'm sorry about that. It's also the day that Messi is supposedly coming. I'm sorry about that. But is there ever a better opportunity to get our message across than when you have the two organizations who who, who participated in sports watching this offseason in the same building on a very special time, on a very special network, the only time DC United will be put on this pedestal all season to voice our concerns and to show our displeasure with ownership in making this decision. So if you do understand where I'm coming from and understand where my friends are coming from and, and want to help, please do help. We encourage you to do that. If you believe in something else, that's cool too. Let's have that discussion. I'm here for that. And if you really want to go support the team, go away to NYCFC on April 20th. Go make a bunch of noise there and bring that same energy on the 27th when we're back home. And it's time to get loud in our support for the team and against the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia's investment or potential investment inside of DC United. I want to give uh, L and Doug a chance to sort of just sort of final thoughts uh, before we wrap up. I a, a tradition of RFK refugees is before the show saying this is going to be like 20, 30 minutes. We got a short rundown and it always going 60 minutes. So we've done that again. Uh, the, the, the chain is unbroken. Doug, tell me so just what you want people to take away from this experience of the last week. Uh, there is still a lot of work to be done. I think that this is absolutely not over, but this is probably the most unified. I think I've seen this section ever be. And I have seen some people take up some bizarrely defeatist attitudes over like, Oh, this is inevitable. Winter's coming, whatever. I'm like, no, F that. I'm sorry. I was about to curse. I wasn't sure we were allowed to. Thank you. Thank you. We are, we're a 13, we're a PG 13 show. I said, F that beep that I'm not doing that. We are doing our best to say, no, we're not accepting this. Standing up, getting out there, getting loud. And clearly people are catching wind of that energy. And as we have seen in soccer protests out in Germany, for example, they were protesting hard against potential private investors coming in and they won. They successfully warded them off from changing the Bundesliga forever um, and we've seen other actions in the past. We've seen what happened with the Washington Spirit over their former ownership, all of the actions around that. I say, no, F all that. We can absolutely get loud and try to make some change out here and heat everything off at the past before this can all get worse. What I will say is that I want to compare and contrast DC United's visit to the folks who are asking, why are you guys going to be quiet for four games? Jason told us in the meeting that he we were there that they went there to build bridges, right? To share our values with them. I don't believe anyone has actually seen proof of exactly what that looked like. But here's the thing. You will see that when you are in the stadium this weekend. You'll see that for the next 3 games, right? This is us answering that question of 
why are you still going? Why don't you just sit this game out? Well, you know what? We're going, right? We've already paid, we've already paid our money, right? The team has it, it's fine. So we're gonna use it, right? Because if we're gonna protest, we gotta be present. Absolutely. And I think that there have been uh, empty stadiums in Audi before or nearly empty stadiums. And it wasn't you know, that's not national news. Unfortunately, that's that's occurred before. So your pre your quiet presence is a lot more uh, speaks louder than empty stands. I don't think that really would do the job anyway. And just before again, I said before we wrap up, I want to make sure I shout out Ted, who asked a good question today in the press conference. He asked our coach, what do you feel about this? And he supported uh, this measure. He understands it and he supports uh, people you know, acting in their conscience. So we got a good, we got a good one, I think. And in, in our coach, I think that's great to see. We, we'll see how it all boils down, but early, early statements on uh, our GM and our coach, they seem to understand uh, what the supporter culture is about, particularly here at DC United and what needs to be done to rebuild bridges. So we can only be thankful that uh, the question was asked and it was answered in a way that I think no one can have a problem with. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. Uh, for everyone who is just finding out about this protest now somehow, I'm sure you're very confused. Um, go on the internet for a little bit and you can probably get a little bit more of the background, but I think we did a good job wrapping the whole thing up in a bow. We are going to be... Uh, we have a game this Saturday. I'll have there'll be a Patreon show out tomorrow sort of previewing the game a little bit more uh, for those who are able to be there, for those who are there and are quiet, do your thing. For those of you who are sitting on a couch... Uh, tweeting at Dave Johnson, trying to get the name of your podcast set on TV, which he does every single time. You will be me. Uh, but I want to thank you for listening to this show, Monday's show, tomorrow's show, and joining us again Monday Night Live on Twitch at 8.30. So with that said, thank you for listening. L, Doug, Angus, thanks for joining. And we'll catch you, all of you, on Monday after the game and hopefully three points. Vamos. Thank you for having us. Thank you, folks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to RFK Refugees Podcast. Make sure you rate and review the show wherever you download podcasts. If you want to support the show, consider joining our Patreon or subscribing to our channel on Twitch. Lastly, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, YouTube, Twitch, Goals.tv, Friendster, MySpace, and Tumblr. Some of those are even real. Vamos.